Our scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 13. And it may be a familiar passage to you, uh, although not necessarily a familiar Advent passage. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. God, we thank you for this passage, and we pray that you would guide us through this as we reflect on what it means for you to give your love to us and what it means for us to respond in kind. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I need to confess to you that I have a love-hate relationship with tradition. Uh, I do like tradition. I really respect tradition. I appreciate it. I grew up in a very traditional church, and uh, tradition was very important. Our services looked uh, very similar all the time. And I recognize that tradition is helpful for us in learning. It, It is a great means of of communicating gospel truth, uh, theological knowledge, uh, by repeating things, by having the same kind of things happening at the same time of the month, at the same time of the year. Uh, it is a good way for us to teach. And so there is a, a beneficial part of tradition. It's also something that is comforting, isn't it? When uh, the rest of the world is changing so fast, when things are going upside down, it's nice to be able to come into church and to know what to expect, that you know, based on tradition, this is likely what's going to happen. It's going to look this way. It's this time of the year, so this is what's going to happen, and it all seems to make sense. And so I do respect that. In fact, uh, as you know, I'm a part of the Army Reserves, and the Army is just as traditional as the church. In fact, it is so similar in so many different ways. They have their same kinds of traditions. You know what to expect, and uh, and there's comfort that I find in that as well. But where the the hate part is, uh, and it maybe hates a little bit of a strong word, uh, sometimes it's not enough for me when I ask why we're doing something that the answer is, well, that's the way we always do it. Uh, Sometimes I will push back on that that we don't necessarily have to do things the way it's always been. And and just because we've always done it that way is not necessarily a good answer. And probably if we look hard enough, uh, it's not the way we've always done it. It may be the way we've always done it for the last uh, five years or 10 years or 15 years. But if you keep going back, uh, it's not necessarily the way we have always done it. Uh, In fact, there's times uh, that I have played around with this kind of stuff. I don't know if you remember, but uh, right before the pandemic, as we were entering into Lent, we started uh, having communion every Sunday, which I know for some people was a bit of a struggle. Like, how can you have communion every week? The Baptist way is to do it every month. So Uh, that's the way we've always done it, and we should do it every month. And yet uh, we started doing it uh, 
uh, every week. Now, I don't know if God disagreed with my, uh, with my plan, and that's why everything uh, shut down, but uh, I'm not going to take responsibility for that. But that was an example of what I was trying to do is I believe that sometimes it's strategic to, to um, overturn a little bit of tradition. And uh, in a break in tradition, sometimes we can learn something new that helps us. And so that's actually what we're going to be doing today. Have you ever wondered like why it is we do certain things? Why do we have to have Advent uh, songs at Advent and, and uh, Lent songs at Lent and all of those kind of things? Why can't we mix things up? And so we're going to actually mix things up today in a different way. We're going to have, for this third Sunday of Advent, we're going to celebrate Maundy Thursday, okay? Because why not? You know, everything else has changed. We can do this as well. If you're not familiar with Maundy Thursday, Maundy Thursday is uh, the day before Good Friday. And it's when we remember Jesus gathering with his friends and uh, they have the, the Last Supper and Jesus uh, washes his disciples' feet. And uh, the word Maundy actually comes from the, the Latin word for command. And it's that command that we had read to us uh, that we are to love one another. And that's what we remember at Monday, Thursday. Are we allowed to have Monday, Thursday on the third Sunday of Advent? Well, why not? We can do this. Because what we're looking at for the third Sunday of Advent is Jesus as the love giver. And I think that this passage that we usually look at during Lent is actually one of the most powerful passages for understanding what it means for Jesus to be our love giver. So the actual commandment is that we would love each other. But before we get to that, we have to understand uh, who Jesus is and how he can ask us to fulfill this kind of commandment. And what we find is that Jesus is an object of love, not just by his disciples, but by his Father as well. I don't know if you realize this, but in the Gospels, the Father only speaks twice, at the baptism of Jesus and at his transfiguration. And when we look at those passages, we see something very interesting. It's very similar to what the Father says. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. That's at the baptism and then at the transfiguration. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Notice that both times that the father speaks, he speaks of his love for the son. Jesus is an object of love from the father. And it's from his own receiving of love that he is able to give love. Because before Jesus tells us that we are to love one another, uh, or the basis for Jesus telling us to love one another, is that we are to love as he has loved us. But what kind of love does Jesus show? Well, first of all, the love that Jesus shows is not just affection or feeling or emotion. I'm sure he had that at certain times. But that is not what he does. He has love in action. So instead of just reclining at the table and looking at his disciples and having that warm feeling inside saying, 
you know, what a bunch of great guys here. I'm, I'm, I'm just really appreciate them. Instead of that, he takes off his outer clothing, wraps himself in a, in a towel, and he begins to wash their feet. That is love in action. And that was only a precursor to the next day, which would be the ultimate example of love in action. On the Thursday, he washes with water the feet of the disciples. On the Friday, he washes with blood the sins of all humans. He provides a sacrifice for all those who are willing to believe. That is the ultimate act of love. He suffered painfully in that way. Jesus believed in love in action. There's something else we need to notice in this passage, and that is where it appears in that chapter in John. It is placed very strategic. It takes place immediately after Jesus predicts the betrayal by Judas, and it appears immediately before Jesus's prediction of Peter's denial. It's sandwiched between those two things, that Judas is going to betray him and Jesus, or sorry, Peter is going to deny him. And it's in the midst of that that Jesus talks about his love for them. And that speaks to us the fact that he's not loving those who are worthy of love, but simply those who he chooses to love. That love is messy. That love happens in the context that you would not expect. And sometimes you're loving people who do not respond in the way that you want. Jesus is the love giver. So how do we respond to this? What does this mean to us? Well, Jesus says that we are supposed to, to love uh, because we can't just soak in the love. We don't just look at this, that Jesus loves us and say, okay, that's it. Bring it on. Sure, there are, there are moments of healing in which we need to just soak it in, but we just can't stay in that place. We need to respond by loving others. Jesus says uh, to, we are to love one another as he has loved us. Now, he describes this as a new commandment. Is it really new? Because Jesus had previously said that the, uh, the greatest commandment is to love God and to love our as ourself. And both of those actually come from the Old Testament. So love is found before then. What is new here is that love becomes the central part of what it means to be a Christian. How do we recognize that someone is a Christian? How can you know that? Is it because they have a uh, Jesus fish on their car? Is that how we know that they're a Christian? Or is it uh, because uh, they go to a particular building on a Sunday morning. Is that how we know that they are a Christian? Is it because they follow a certain ritual? Uh, is that how we know that they're a Christian? According to Jesus, we recognize a Christian by the way that they love one another. That is the defining factor. Now, this does not mean, and I need to make this very clear, we're not saying that non-Christians uh, can't be loving. That's not what we're saying. Jesus is not saying that non-Christians can't be loving. What he's saying, and this is actually scarier, what he's saying is Christians can't be unloving. 
If you do not have love in your life, if you are not loving towards others, then you cannot be recognized as a Christian. The kind of love that we are to show to one another has been modeled to us by Jesus. Again, it is not just that feeling. It's nice when we feel love towards each other. That's great. But it is also a choice. Now, we have to admit the hard truth that some people are more lovable than others, right? And there are some people that are challenging when it comes to loving. But Jesus doesn't give us an out here saying, those you really click with, those people love them. Make sure to to show a lot of love towards them. He doesn't say that. It's love one another. Whether you like it or not, whether you like the person or not, it is about choice. And the kind of love that we show is love in action. It's not just about having those feelings. Uh, Even if we had those feelings for everyone, that still would not be enough. We have to demonstrate that love in action. I really appreciate a, a, a verse that's found in James where he really highlights the importance of love in action. James says this, uh, he, he, he's uh, imagining you encountering a person in need. And he says, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? Uh, it doesn't make any sense for us just to, to wish someone well. We need to help that person. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, when someone's in need, you send uh, um, thoughts and prayers. And uh, there's a lot of discussion about whether it's appropriate to say that kind of thing. Well, first of all, I, I think that there, there is a place for thoughts and prayers. And I do believe that prayer is powerful. I believe that God responds to prayer. But it's not enough. If you see someone in need, uh, starting within the, the family of faith, but also outside into our community, if we see that there is a need, and if we know that we have the means to help that need, at that point, we need to go beyond thoughts and prayers. We need to do what we, need, what we can do to help. I want to conclude this message with a challenge to all of us, uh, all of us who are here, all of us who are watching the video. I want to put forward a challenge. We are coming uh, to the end of the year. We're coming to the end of 2020. And what is 2021 going to look like? We have no idea. Because if you went back in time one year from now and asked me to describe what 2020 would have been like, I wouldn't have come close to being able to predict what was going to be happening. And so I can't do the same uh, for 2021. But there are certain things that we know are going to be exactly the same. One is that Jesus is the love giver. That is not going to change. There is no virus or pandemic or world crisis that is going to stop Jesus from being the love giver. And secondly, we as the church are called to love one another, to to love our our community of faith and to love our, our greater community as well. That's not going to change. There's nothing that's going to happen that is going to uh, that God's going to say, you know what? We're going to hold off. We've we've reached a certain level of pandemic that you no longer need to love one another. That's not going to happen. We will always have to love one another. So this is the challenge for 2021. 
How can we be recognized as followers of Jesus? How is it, what is it that we can do, both as individuals and as a congregation, what is it we can do that when people see us, that they're like, oh, you know what, I think that's a follower of Jesus, because look at the way that they're loving. How do we demonstrate that in action? What is it that we do? And I don't have the answers for you right now. Uh, we've already been doing some important things with the two-ton challenge and with uh, out of the cold, and there's other things that we've done. Uh, people are calling each other, but you know what? Uh, there are still people in this congregation who we haven't seen in a year who are feeling isolated and perhaps are not getting phone calls regularly and have not heard from many people. What can we do in that way? And so I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to ask you, what can we do as uh, a congregation and as individuals in 2021 so that we will be recognized as followers of Jesus, as people of love? Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the love giver. You receive love from the Father, and you share that love with your disciples, with your friends, and with your church. We thank you that we receive from your love, and that you call us to share that love with each other. Help us to be a people of love. Help us to be recognized in that way. That, would, that people would see how we interact with each other, the things that we do, and they would see that we must have been with Jesus. We ask for guidance as we go into the new year, that you would give us the wisdom, the strength, the courage, and the determination to love one another as you have loved us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'd like to conclude by reading to you a passage from Romans uh, that Paul is talking about in reference to love. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow person has fulfilled the law. Amen.